to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. What is the number one mistake that you could make when you're finishing an elimination diet to identify your food sensitivities that will sabotage all of your hard work? We're going to cover this today on the Wild Wisdom Show hosted by a medical doctor with a different spin on women's health. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Mills, and I'm a holistic medical doctor. My superpower is taking complex scientific information and distilling it down to understandable information that you can action on immediately to see results in your health right away. And today we're going to be talking about how to properly finish an elimination diet. Now, if you've been following along, we've been talking about the elimination diet to help identify your food sensitivities. And the reason that you're doing this as a reminder, because it's always important to understand the why, because it'll motivate the action, is that food sensitivities can either be ones that you're born with, but more commonly, they're ones that you acquire over time. And the reason for this is because of problems with your digestive power and your gut health. And there are many uh, contributors to this happening over time One is aging, but more commonly, I would say than that, is things in our modern lifestyle, like our modern foods, nutrition, uh, stress, and toxins that are really affecting the power of our digestion, the ability of our body to properly break down the foods that we are eating so that they're not properly digested, and that therefore there are problems with when that partially digested food is absorbed into our body. And the gut health in terms of the a leaky gut developing uh, in medicine, it's called increased intestinal permeability. And when you have problems with a leaky gut, that undigested food can now get into your body. Your body will react to that food because it's not meant to be exposed to that food in, an, in its undigested state. And the reaction occurs at the level of the immune system. So the immune system, which is in charge of recognizing any foreign invaders, will be activated because it will be recognizing these foreign invaders and it will start to mount an attack and it will show up for people in different ways. So for some people, it can show up as problems at the level of the skin. So a skin rash, eczema, dermatitis, psoriasis, acne, it can show up at the level of the brain brain fog, um, difficulties with thinking, concentrating, mood, like depression, anxiety, irritability. Uh, It can show up with problems of your brain function in terms of like how sharp you feel, um, how well you can sleep at night and stay asleep at night. It can affect your joints. So you can get joint pain. It can affect your muscles with muscle pain and aches. It can affect your gut directly and you can get diarrhea, constipation, or a combination of both. And some people develop quite severe reactions to it 
um, like uh, what's called uh, esophageal uh, eosinophilia, and those are very hard conditions to treat. So there's this massive spectrum. And some people have what's called non-celiac gluten sensitivity, and that can be so severe that it affects your brain function and the way that your body moves. And the medical term for that is gluten ataxia. And I have actually treated people with that as a specialist in physical medicine rehabilitation. And although it is rare, it does exist. So the elimination diet is the most powerful tool, the only scientifically validated tool, uh, even better than blood tests and hair tests and biomeridian testing, uh, which are other ways to identify food sensitivities. Uh, and it is considered to be the gold standard in research, as in everything else is tested against the elimination diet, because that's supposed to be like the way to know if some food that you're ingesting is causing a food sensitivity and is responsible for your health concerns. So now, if you've been following along, and if you haven't, I definitely recommend checking out the elimination uh, diet um, series, like, you know, listening to all of the previous uh, episodes on this. And what you want to do is you want to be aware that when you finish the elimination diet, there are some common mistakes that people do that sabotage all of their hard work. And I mean, the elimination phase, so step one is eliminating the problematic foods, and that's four weeks minimum. And then the reintroduction phase, depending on how you reintroduce your foods, can take weeks. So you definitely don't want to make a mistake when you're reintroducing your foods or at the end of the elimination diet. That will sabotage all of that work that you've done. So what is the number one mistake that will sabotage your efforts? Well, that is to add back in the foods that probably contributed to causing your food sensitivities in the first place. So the foods that affect your digestive power and affect the health of your gut, the gut lining, and the health of the organisms that live on your gut lining that help maintain the integrity of your gut lining called the gut microbiome. And so the gut microbiome is made up of bacteria, viruses, yeast, um, fungi, parasites, and the, you want a healthy community that helps support the health of your gut lining. Uh, and having a healthy gut microbiome is, is um, helpful in avoiding the creation of leaky gut. And so foods that are actually a primary cause of your food sensitivities, like um, processed foods that contain chemicals such as preservatives, uh, particularly there's been some research interest, uh, lately on things like the emulsifiers that are added to ultra-processed packaged foods. And the purpose of those emulsifiers is to keep the food um, looking and feeling fresh. Um, so for example, bread, bread that is lasting on the shelf for longer than a week has emulsifiers and other um, additives in them so that they don't go bad with time. And a freshly baked sourdough bread will go bad within a week, and it should, should not have any chemicals inside of it that preserve it for longer because those chemicals, the research is coming out strong that they actually harm the health of our gut microbiome and cause inflammation in the lining of our gut, which contributes to that leaky gut that I've been talking about. So if you are thinking, well, I've eliminated gluten from my diet, and I know that gluten is a problem for me, so I'm going to go and buy a gluten-free bread. 
And that gluten-free bread is in a, you know, a plastic bag or in a package. And it's been sitting on the shelf for a while. And I know if I'm not the one to buy that bread, it's going to be sitting on the shelf for at least another few weeks and it's not going to go bad. And that bread has those chemicals in it. And if you add that bread back in, even though it's gluten-free, it's going to have the components that can cause problems with your gut health. And then you're eating that day in and day out. You're going to cause your leaky gut to come back. And you're going to basically develop new food sensitivities to the foods that you are eating. So it can be extremely frustrating to people where they identify, okay, I'm not doing great with milk, uh, with dairy and with gluten. So I'm cutting that out, but I'm okay with eggs. And then they uh, reintroduce or keep in the foods that are harmful, like the ultra processed foods. And then over time, they start to realize, oh, I think I'm developing another food sensitivity. And, you know, you check in with yourself and you realize that now you're having a reaction to eggs. And why did that food sensitivity develop when it wasn't there before? Well, it's because you've kept in the foods and the drinks that can harm your gut health and cause food sensitivities to develop. So the first um, you know, category of that is the ultra processed foods. The next category of that is sugars. So too many sugars in your diet, either obvious ones from candy or hidden ones from the ultra processed foods. Um, bread that is not fermented, not sourdough. That bread has a lot of simple sugars in it. The fermentation process, uh, in the fermentation process, those simple sugars are eaten up. And so the sugars, if you don't eliminate those from your diet and you don't keep them out of your diet, your food sensitivities will occur again. And, and what will happen is that over time, you're going to find yourself on a more and more restricted diet. And that is not a fun life to live. You want to keep the ultra processed foods and the sugar foods out, even if they don't contain your food sensitivities like gluten and dairy. The third category uh, are foods that have pesticides in them. And now pesticides have molecules, chemicals in them like glyphosate that have been proven to harm our gut microbiome and cause problems at the level of the gut lining. So if you're finding that you are continuing to have problems with food sensitivities and you have not yet made the switch to go organic, this might be the time. And if you can't afford to go all organic, go to ewg.org and check out their healthy, uh, their clean 15 and dirty dozens list. The dirty dozen are the top 12 foods that have the most pesticides and the clean 15 have the least pesticides. And it changes every year because it depends on the farming practices of your local region. So you want to go to ewg.org and check out yearly which are the foods that you want to be investing your money in to buy organic, just so you know, whole grains and beans and nuts are heavily sprayed crop, as are coffee beans and grapes growing wine, unless they're being grown organically. So um, the good news is that a properly fermented sourdough bread will have a lower glyphosate content, content about 21% of glyphosate was destroyed within one hour of fermentation in one really interesting study. So it really does pay to look for really fresh, well done, local bakery, uh, sourdough bread. You don't have to necessarily invest in organic in that case, but everything else 
like oats, for example, I would recommend buying organic oats. They are a very heavily sprayed crop, organic coffee. So again, maybe you eliminated coffee and you discovered that you don't have a problem with coffee. You add it back in, but you're adding back in uh, non-organic coffee. And that could cause a problem with your gut health over time. So you're trying to eliminate and minimize anything that could affect your gut health that would eventually lead to you developing new food sensitivities over time. Um, and those are the major categories. The other category is the uh, natural anti-nutrients or natural toxins found in plants. And those are things that are found uh, primarily in the seeds of plants like beans, like nuts, whole grains. And Mother Nature puts natural toxins into those uh, plants because they cannot run and hide and protect themselves from uh, you know, their prey, which at the beginning of time was insects. And now we have joined uh, that as being the insects as being major consumers of plants on this planet. So while small amounts will not harm our gut health, large amounts of these plants that are not properly prepared using the ancient traditional methods of food preparation, these anti-nutrients could, and in research have been pro proven to cause damage to our gut health and our gut lining and the ability of our bodies to properly absorb foods and properly digest foods. So you'll want to, uh, as you reintroduce things like beans, nuts, and seeds, you will want to use those proper methods of food preparation like soaking, sprouting, and fermenting. Now, soaking is the easiest one to do. Sprouting is like a level two difficulty and fermenting is a level three difficulty. And starting off with soaking or sticking to soaking is absolutely fine. That will be making a big difference in your life. So you want to definitely read that section in the personalized diet solution to find out exactly how you want to prepare these foods. And all of the recipes in the book mention when you need to be soaking in preparation for preparing your foods. And, in, and those are included in the recipes. So those are the major, that's the number one mistake is adding in the foods uh, that can actually cause food sensitivities to develop. And I have uh, my next thing that we're going to talk about is what to do with the foods that have been eliminated the foods that you have identified food sensitivities for, are you having to eliminate them for life? So I'm going to answer that question. And first, before I do that, I want to say hi to everyone who's watching today through my Facebook group, uh, Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills. It's a free group. And when you join, you can join these uh, lives and ask your questions. I can see that there's a few people watching and hello, welcome. And if you are watching, feel free to put in your name and any questions that you might have with this topic of conversation. Okay, let's get into it. What to do with the foods eliminated? Are they eliminated for life? So the answer to that is no. However, it depends. Um, so with time, um, assuming that you have eliminated the foods that are damaging your digestive power and your gut health, and also there are other lifestyle factors that it can affect digestive power and gut health, like stress, you know, that chronic daily stress, um, certain medications, can harm gut health. So, you know, let's assume that all of those things have been eliminated from your life or reduced or dealt with as best as possible. Your gut is now healing. And let's say three months or six months from now, you finish the elimination diet and you're, and you're wondering now, 
can I reintroduce eggs and see how I'm dealing with eggs now? And the answer to that is yes. So what you do is you want to wait for a time when your diet's going to be stable, you're feeling stable, like nothing's really changing significantly in your life. And you choose a food that was on your eliminated list and you add it back in and you observe over the next week or two how your body is doing with that food. And then you notice, is it still a food sensitivity or has that food sensitivity gone away because I've, I've healed my digestive power, I've healed my gut health, and now I can tolerate eating this food again. And the dose matters. Maybe you can tolerate eating it once a week, right? If you eat it every day, maybe you start to experience um, problems with it. Sensitivities, it's not like a food allergy where you have an immediate massive reaction to you know, any amount. Food sensitivities do depend on the dose. So you do want to pay attention to that. You reintroduce that food at a low dose, see how your body reacts to it. And then if that's the dose that you want to stay on for life, great. If not, increase how much you have. Notice how your body reacts to that and pay attention over the next few weeks. Don't make any other changes. Just add that one food back in and give it a really good chance for you to find out, am I having a problem with food or not? And with this food or not, and I, I have what, are, what I like to call there are primary food sensitivities and secondary food sensitivities. The primary ones are the ones that you will have for life. They are either genetic predispositions and something has triggered, you know, your, your genetics to activate against that food and that simply will not go away. So for some people, for example, um, a gluten sensitivity can be for life. And then for other people, it might be something that have developed with age, like a lactose and idled onset lactose intolerance, and your body simply lacks the ability to break down that sugar from um, milk, the lactose, and you know nothing that you do will replace that. Um, you could try some digestive enzymes, for example, um, and that you may or may not find success with that. However, it's a condition that has developed and will not reverse itself. That's a primary food sensitivity. A secondary food sensitivity is the food sensitivity that developed because of that loss of digestive power or decreased digestive power and that leaky gut. And as your digestion and gut heals, then you're able to tolerate that food again. So that would be a secondary food sensitivity that could um, go away with time. So I hope you found that useful. Um, and it's very important to understand this when you're doing the elimination diet because you do not want to end up on, uh, I see this quite frequently where people start restricting more foods and more foods. They develop more and more sensitivities because when they're eating foods frequently with a leaky gut, you're going to develop a sensitivity to the food that you're commonly eating. And so then you have to eliminate that food and then you're eating another food. You develop a sensitivity to that food and it becomes this horrible, vicious cycle. So it really, really is so important to eat a whole foods diet, clean low in sugars, and to properly prepare your plant foods so that they're low in anti-nutrients. And basically, you're going to be cooking like your great-grandmother. And she did it. And so can you. And there are products on the market that can be helpful with this, like your local bakery, um, you know, really looking at ingredient lists of packaged foods. There are some out there that don't contain all of those harmful ingredients. Use the resources in the personalized diet solution. And uh, reach out if you haven't been able to, act, if you don't yet have access to this resource, um, I will be sure to uh, provide you with the link to check it out and see if it's something that you want to invest in. 
So thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this, please save, subscribe, and share. Add it to your favorites so you can come back to it again in the future. And I still look forward to seeing you again in the next episode and have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, or night. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe and please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you and I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. Hi everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. 